It's time for counterculture. Are you tired of how divided we are? Let's find the peacemakers. Think everyone is mean and selfish? Let's talk to those who are helping us all be more loving and caring. Think our culture is going downhill? Let's meet those who are helping us flourish. And now your host, Jonathan Sanborn. Well, hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. Yes, I am Jonathan Sanborn, and you're listening to Counterculture. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy lives to tune in. As always, I love the show. I love the people that I God puts in my life that I get to meet and talk to. And Counterculture really is about those who are kind of going against the grain. They're going the way of Jesus, which actually is very countercultural. In a divided world, a peacemaker is actually really countercultural. In a, in a world that's very selfish, people who are compassionate are countercultural. In a world that seems to be decaying and focused on the worst, we want to find those people who are lifting up and building up culture. So that's why counterculture exists. And today I am very fortunate to have a friend of mine, Tara Sundam, in studio. Hello, Tara. Hello. Tara is a, well, I don't know. Well, you're, you're, you're cool. And <laughs> we've known each other for a few years now. Smith. Tara is executive director at Hushabai Nursery in Arizona. Uh, and it's a nonprofit dedicated to caring for opiate expo- exposed newborns in their first weeks of life. She has a long 28 career years career in neonatal intensive care. Yes. Is that correct? That's okay. correct. Uh, so she founded – we're going to hear about why she founded uh, Hushabai Nursery. She holds a Master's of Science from Arizona State University. Love that. Go Devils. Can we say Go Devils? Like <laughs> we Christian Radio? say Go Devils. Go Sun yeah. Devils, I guess. <laughs> and is a board-certified neonatal nurse practitioner. Has done all kinds of really cool stuff. She lives in Gilbert with her husband, two sons, and a dog. What kind of dog? He's a shrug. A shrug? Yeah. You don't, you don't like know you don't know? If you go like this, yeah. Don't ask, don't tell. No. He's like, a shrug. Yeah. We don't know. That's right. Okay. That's, he's a, <laughs> he's like, a mutt, but he's yeah. A, mutt. a shrug. I like exactly. That's the first time. I don't know. You thought, I thought it's a pug. You didn't say it right? <laughs> nope. No, it's shrug. a shrug. I don't know. <laughs> I like it. And she does this good shrug, and I, like, I'm like, she doesn't really know what her dog is. So we get one of those DNA ancestry exactly. tests. Exactly. No, for yeah. dogs. Yeah. <laughs> Find out. Yeah. So. No, thank you for coming in. So before we get into to hearing about Hushabai, and I can't wait, we do this game called Fake News. So something true about yourself, something not true about yourself, and see if I could figure out which one is fake. So okay, so let's hear it. No, In any order. No order. Okay. Got to think about this one. I'm try but, to guess. Um, when I first thought I was going to contemplate going into Hushabai, I went to church three Sundays in a row and kept saying that I needed to have um, God give me a sign. Okay. You waited for a sign. Okay. Um, I've been known to beg the government, um, Doug Ducey, for money. Okay. So (laughs) you begged (laughs) Ducey and you've asked – you begged God for a sign three times in church. So either one of those are plausible, and so I have some insider information, no, <laughs> and it's not with God it's, or with – actually, I don't, I don't know anything. I'm just going to guess and say that you, it wasn't, you didn't go to church three times and ask for a sign because you maybe already knew. No. It was three, that was the three Sundays. Yes. That's true. That is true? Yeah, the three. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and so it's, you, aren't, you haven't begged the governor for money? Um, not, not personally. Not no. personally. mm through grant funding, yes. Through grant not funding? Through him. Mm-mm. Not personally. Yeah. Okay. Well, you got, you stumped the Johnster. That's <laughs> yeah, all. You're yeah. off to a good start because I, I, I get a little cocky 
and this keeps me humble. Oh, and so I'm thank so very that's no great. very cool. So yeah. so but it was very God clearly answered this yeah answered this prayer. Absolutely. And so you were a nurse. Uh-huh. You bet you are still a nurse. I am. And something happened in your in your nurse life that made you want to do this. Yeah, I the opiate crisis started to hit and When was this? Um well in 2010, 2011 it started hitting like adults and that's what I, you know, Kind of new, and, and then just probably opiate crisis. Really quick, yeah, just what that means, right? Exactly, exactly. And all of us, it became more of a parent that it right. was that it was an issue, and then it didn't happen until 2015 when I was working in a small little NICU in the East Valley and six beds, and we'd have five or six babies withdrawing at a time. And I was like, "What in the world is happening?" And I live in that community, and I just thought, "Okay, downtown Phoenix, you see this?" I had no idea. And out of being frustrated with how we cared for the babies, or the way we weren't able to care for the babies in the NICU, just because there wasn't room, um, and just us really not understanding addiction and what these families go through, uh, my co-founder said heard about Lily's place in West Virginia okay. and she goes oh my gosh we can do that and I was like I don't think we can do that and that's when I went to church and three Sundays in a row I said I really need to sign if we really should do this and, yes and every it was one of those that the servants are sitting there talking to me every time and I'm like I don't think that's to me that's and to me. finally the third time yeah I was you like knew. okay we're gonna do this yeah you just felt the confidence that God is in this mm-hmm. wants you to make it happen yep now sometimes that's a scary. I've learned that we when we want we want God's affirmation. That usually means there's going to be some kind of challenges ahead. Absolutely, <laughs> like beyond. It's not like boom. Yes, I hear from Lord, and then boom, it's all set. There could be a journey Absolutely. ahead of you, mm-hmm. right? Or a five year journey. Or five year journey. So mm-hmm. that's right. Twenty fifteen. Yep. Wow. So just before we okay, let's go back to this this uh, intensive care unit. Yes. Opiate crisis. For what not everyone understands fully the tr- the tragedy of the opiate crisis in America. Just a mm-hmm. quick background on that. Right. Um, we how, how about we go back to we usually every day in the state of Arizona we we lose at least two people a day to overdoses. That number is probably really low. Okay. Every single day there's at least two babies born substance exposed, which means they're going to go through the withdrawal process here in Arizona. Brand new Every infant, single brand new day. Okay. Yes. Okay. Hearing those numbers, it's like, oh my gosh. Um, learning about adverse childhood experiences. I don't yes, know if you've I talked do. about those. Not, not on the show, um, but uh, yes. But as I learned about adverse childhood experiences and realizing that, oh my gosh, these babies are born with at least two. And if right. you... Have have a baby um, torn away from their mom. Right. There's three, and if you hit more than four, you've set this baby up for chronic illness for the rest of their lives. Mm. I mean, fifty six years down the road. If you look at that and go, two babies are born every single day. That's eight hundred a year times eighteen. I mean, they just keep going and going. And so, our care model initially was save baby, save the babies save and the babies. and. Make sure that they're well. And then I heard about adverse childhood experiences. I was like, oh, my gosh. We need to really save the families. The baby con- is born into a context yeah. of two people. Maybe maybe there's just one around. Mm-hmm. And so there's a whole lot of problems. I mean, not problems. But a lot of uh, – situ- there's a situation. Yeah. It's yeah. hard. I mean, it's and, – and I always tell everyone that 
no one when they when they're four years old when somebody says oh what do you want to be when you grow up no one says I want to you know be dependent on an opioid or a substance and lose right. all my friends and my family um, so when you really look at that it's how do we help these families get well and right. if it's just a little bit you know just that day being kind yes isn't hard and to not judge isn't hard it could be any one of us. Correct. Um, when I hear the stories of the moms that I take care of, it could be us very easily. So, and that's what's different about the opiate crisis. I mean, it's there's there is a common misconception about of drug users are bad people. Absolutely. And they've just they're escaping reality. They made bad choices. But opiate crisis is different. It's it's actually often they've taken a prescription that their doctor has given them. It, help, right. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, you're you know right. more about this than I do. Yeah, you're right. Um, a a lot take, of times it starts from what we prescribe them. What's been, Yeah, they've been mm-hmm. prescribed something and there's just – it's so becomes so integral to surviving and coping with their pain and even life that they just can't – Can't do can't it. Let, so, can't. so what ends up happening, it usually – it can take as little as three days to become dependent on an opiate. And what does that mean? Um, some of you probably have heard dope sick. And I had one mom explain to me um, that withdrawal was like having the worst flu and migraine times 100. Oh, my goodness. And so – and when I see a baby withdraw, I, I they look like they have a flu. I mean they're miserable. Mm-hmm. And so hearing that and knowing that you can immediately make that better. Yes. So it's not so much they're searching for the high. They're searching to just feel well. Mm-hmm. And so initially, you know, it's that I want to get high and then pretty soon, no, I just don't want to be that sick. Right. And I can't imagine because when I have the flu, I'm a big wimp and yeah. I want it to go away. And right. if you told me I just had to take this one little bit and it would go away immediately, I can understand why they're so sick and right. how it's such a vicious cycle and withdrawal is hard. I mean, it's hard mm. for a baby and an adult. Now, I've been to one of your presentations um, at a governor's council something or other, mm-hmm. and you showed a video of a baby coming off withdrawals. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I still remember that video. That was at least a couple of years ago. Yeah. yeah. And so if, if – if, Describe if, that? Yeah. Yeah. And so um, initially what you really notice is the baby has really high-pitched cry. Yeah. So almost like a shrieking cat yeah. cry. Um, they are v- shake tremendously, um, just tremors, and then really tight uh, uh, tone. So their arms and legs are – it's hard to straighten them. They have vomiting, diarrhea. Wow. They sweat, temperatures. Um, they can't sleep. I mean, very much like the flu. I mean, like you can't sleep and all you want it to do is get better and hope yes. that when you wake up, it's a little bit better. Right. Um, and helping babies do even just a little bit that would make it better, we should do. Yes. And that's where Hushabai came from. Um, we know that to withdraw, having your mom there, biological, and your dad, biological, there makes it better. It even does if make it better. Even if they're not healthy, yeah. as long as they're not high and as long as it's safe, right. we want them there. That's, um, wow. Babies do better. They do mm-hmm. with their biological families. And then in a quiet, dark environment, just like you and I, when we have the flu, we don't go to rock concert. Right. We go in our room, we turn on the lights, and we hope everybody just leaves us alone. Right. That's what we need to do for these little ones. So right now in the hospital, we do what we're supposed to do. Right. When we take care of sick babies, they go into the neonatal intensive care unit. Right. Bright lights, beeping monitors, because we have to keep those little ones that are as big as the palm of our hand alive. Right. These right. little ones need the quiet, dark environment 
like very much like our nurseries at home. And it just needs to be soothing and home-like. And that's where Hushabai came from. So in our facility, we have 12 private rooms where moms and dads can stay 24-7. Um, quiet, dark environment. Yes. I mean, very dim lights. And then we just help teach these families how to make it better. And a lot of times it's just holding them a certain way. And letting them just feel like – I always tell moms, I'm like, now don't move once I get them settled. And I'm like, let them just think this has all been a bad dream. Right. And the moms just sit there and breathe deep and babies can just get through it. Can, it's that, hard. Yes. It, it, it isn't easy, but it can be done a little bit better and that's what we're doing. That's why you, – you, so you're taking – you've – you think of a children's hospital having all these resources. They're handling things – professional and right. But, so mm-hmm. why create something unique, separate from a children's hospital? It sounds like yeah. what you're describing. Right. And I, I I think just because the what we are doing is so different and um, it's hard to do in the hospital. Yeah. I mean, it's it's very therapeutic and non-therapeutic. So, um, so therapeutic or pharmacologic. So we can give medications if we need to to help right. them withdraw. But then just like the soothing techniques, the one-to-one caregivers, um, someone being there as soon as that pacifier falls out, being right there. And in the hospitals, we just don't have that staff. We don't right. have that. Um, it's not that we don't try. I, I really think, you know, we do the best that we can. Um, you know, when you have a stroke, if if we had a stroke, you go to right. the ICU and for best outcomes, it's proven that you go to a stroke step down unit and you're going to have a better outcome. Right. I do think someday you're going to have these babies that are substance exposed. We're going to be able to show that at Hushabai Nursery, a center for excellence for these babies, mm-hmm. we're going to have better outcomes down the road. It's just, Sounds you know, like somebody's got to yeah. start something yeah. different. And when when I first th- thought this, I didn't think this is what we were going to do. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I had no idea what the journey was going to wow. be, but um, crazy. Those three darn churches, church I visits. Know. Darn it. <laughs> darn it. Darn it. It was good. But yeah. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Counterculture with Jonathan Sanborn. We have in studio Tara Sundam with Hushabai Nursery. We're getting to hear this incredible work uh, that really started from a vision from the Lord, just a confirmation of the Lord that what she was seeing going on with opiate addicted babies born, op- Babies born addicted, that she could step in in a new a new way, mm-hmm. and to make a, a difference that's that's more compassionate, that could, uh, that's that's more suited for the situation, and really too, you're you bringing the parents in Absolutely. as part of what you're you're really it's a ministry and what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So tell me about the work you're doing with parents. Yeah. Um, really meeting the families where they're at. Yeah. We're not going to judge at all. I yes. mean, there's there's no judgment because. I've never walked in those shoes. I have no idea what they've right. been through. When families tell me what they've been through, I'm like, holy cow, I'd be <laughs> – I don't know that I would be here. Um, yes. It's their lives and the challenges that they've been under. And we've found that you know, if you can just meet these families where they're at, show them kindness, not judging us, it's not hard. Yeah. I mean it's, it's really simple and as soon as – this. this is one of the things that has always gotten me. When I meet a mom that's expecting, she's – reaching out to me because she's scared to death. Yes. Uh, is my baby going to be okay? And then is my baby going to be placed in foster care or removed from me? Those are the two things that they're worried about. Right. How do I have a healthy baby and how do well, I keep get, my baby? Yes. I've never met a mommy that doesn't love her baby. Yes. Sometimes mm. they're just not healthy enough. And so we have found that, by golly, if you're just <laughs> kind and not judgy, right. you can find out what 
are their needs? Is it housing, food, and transportation? Okay, let's get them housing, food, and transportation. Right. And I've done this now with so many moms that if you don't have housing, you're going to still use. Yeah. I mean, you're you're not going to get better. Right. And I've had moms that I get housing and all of a sudden, guess what? They got that big, I call it a W, the big win. Yes. And all of a sudden, they just keep coming, win after win after win, and then they're not using and they're, they're healthy. And you could yes. totally see that, look at them. They're doing good, mm-hmm. or they just needed to be connected to, you know, a medication-assisted treatment program. They needed to be connected with um, a counselor that they that they trusted, yeah. connected to an obstetrician that wasn't going to judge them. Mm-hmm. Um, many of my families don't realize that, you know, you have rights. Yes, there are different people out there that, you know, if you don't click, if I don't click with you, Jonathan, I don't need to come back. Right, right. Um, you don't need to come back to me. Correct. But. For some reason, my families think, okay, well, I tried and this is where I'm at. And so really empowering them through education and reinforcing that they understand which they don't. That opiate use disorder, a.k.a. addiction, uh-huh. is a chronic illness. It's a brain disease. And so it's not just them making bad, bad choices. choices. Right. It's Their brain is chemically not working mm-hmm. correctly. And so it isn't the fact that they're failing, failing, failing. It's the fact that they're, they have a chronic illness. Yeah. It's there. And for Christians, there is – I mean there's, there's some improvement in this. But we often tend to just focus on the will and, the, and choices. And we've, we don't think – we don't really have a theology or an understanding of brain chemistry mm-hmm. and how it's as, it's as instinctive as me sticking my – leg into a fire and me pulling it out is the same response that someone might do to pull out of pain and take take an opiate. Mm-hmm. I, it's the same part of the brain, if I understand yeah, correctly. Yeah, you're correct. Yeah. I I think of it as let's like let's dumb it way down. So if you have diabetes, um, you take insulin. Yes. And most of the time you you have diabetes. Okay, type one they they don't. Right. But Type 2, a lot of times you don't eat well, you don't exercise, and you're overweight. Um, And you relapse. Every time they have a piece of chocolate cake, they give themselves more insulin and they subtle themselves. But really, if you look at it, it's kind of you relapsed. You ate bad. Your blood sugar went bad and you had to fix it with insulin. With opiate use disorder, they really relapse in our – in the community's eyes. They relapse and we – we condemn them yeah. and make it be like, oh my gosh, you didn't have the will. Where someone with diabetes <laughs> takes one. You, yeah. Well, I mean, That's every time I go on a diet, yeah. I fail. Yeah. I mean, it's like oh, I'm going to do it. Do it for yeah. two weeks, yeah. and I ate good. Well, guess what? I'm going to eat that chocolate yeah. cake at the end of two weeks, just because. Yeah. I have the COVID nineteen pounds <laughs> that I put on because of all my sedentary bad choices. I know, but it's so true, yeah. and it's it's just you know, it's different, but it's not really. When you look at it and you go, huh. And when I really am able to dumb that down for the moms and dads yes. and you can just see them go, so I'm not really a bad person. Yeah. I really – I'm not. Now, do drugs make people do bad things? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I had one mom tell me in group. She goes – she told me she had three felonies and I like looked at her. I'm like, you're kidding me because yeah. little girl next door, you know, just – I was like – Huh? And she just looked at me and she goes, drugs make you do bad things, really bad things. And I just wow. started laughing. I was like, huh, yeah. that – because she's totally healthy right. and would never do what she did yeah. when she was under the influence. Well, what you've just described really is the attitude 
I think is the is the Jesus attitude we should have in any ministry. Mm-hmm. And it's oftentimes not necessarily common in in certain church cultures mm-hmm. and even in the culture around us that can be quick to judge, quick to throw people in a bus or push people away because of something really bad. Yeah. And I would, you know, I think any any church worth going to should understand that grace is centered Absolutely. not is both in our relationship to God and in interrelationship with other people. Absolutely. Yeah, I that's using grace. I use that word all the time. It's like let's give ourselves a little grace. You yes. know, the moms when they're having a hard time, you know, when they come on group and they say I relapsed, it's like okay, let's just breathe. Give yourself just a little grace and let's figure out what happened. Almost every mommy that not almost Every time when I've talked to a mom when they've relapsed, something's happened. Okay. You know, they got in a fight with somebody. Their coping skills aren't yeah. great. You know, they got kicked out of the house. They got beat up. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. something happened Just, that got them there. Right. And it's like, okay, so we need to take you away from those people. Yeah. But when we say take yourself away from the bad influences, right. what if there's nobody after that? Yeah. There's nobody after that. Have a mommy that – um. Uh, I've been working with her for probably 18 months, and she is healthy and doing very, very well. And she got engaged okay. just in the last COVID, during COVID, okay. got engaged. And she told her fiance, thank goodness you waited for this long because now I finally have friends. She goes, oh, I goodness. did not have friends that were healthy that she right. should have even been around until she got involved with Hushabai. And on group, she's like, now I have really good friends and healthy friends. And, you know, and I was like, well, I'm so glad that that's it. But it's so sad because you don't realize, you know, like I have friends from, you know, just from church, from from my kids' you know, connections everywhere, you know, working out everywhere. You have friends and they're like, they have no one. I mean, they've ruined relationships because of their dependency. And when you really look at that and you go, whoa. Yeah. It's really scary Mm because I can't imagine having no one. Yes. I think in my work with with poverty and the people I have coming in, like either in foster care or in homelessness, wherever the issue might be, oftentimes at the root cause is a breakdown in relationships connection. People are disconnected. And when you – when you fall and you're connected, there's someone to help you up. But when you fall and there's no one else around or maybe something, a predator, the types of people mm-hmm. prey on you, that's when things really go bad it's and you end into true. that. Yeah. And so uh, – but so you're really – yeah, fantastic. Uh, what's the biggest – Just we have just like three minutes left. But mm-hmm. what is the big misconception that people have about what the work you're doing? Or do people generally kind of get it? Um, I – I think still the biggest is how did this mom do this to her baby? Yeah, and and I can't believe she did this to her baby. And it's and then like, the mothers themselves even have that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they're like, I can't stop. You know, how I couldn't even do this for my right. own baby. Yeah. And and it's like, oh, it's not that. Right. And um, yeah, I would say that that's the biggest, and it, yeah. it is not. Oh, yeah. they 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 want to, they want to be healthy. Yeah. They absolutely do. It's just. They need help. Yes. And a lot of times they don't know how to ask for help. Mm-hmm. I mean, so like I have a, a baby that we cared for and our our goal is after a baby is discharged from home, we make sure we check in with them every 48 hours. And people are like, well, they know you. They'll just come and ask and ask for help. And I'm like, they won't. No. Nope. 
they're not going to because they're going to think that I should be able to do it. I should be able to do it. And we just make sure that they know that we're there. And it's like I'm here. If I, It's much easier if I see one person or if I you call me, yes. then I can go, I do need help. I, yes. This is really hard. This yes. is the pits versus – made the connection. Yes. You're a, you're, 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 you're a human being that's caring – Right, in the, you know, and you had enough to ask. And, yeah. yeah, and you care. And you so care. it's like, okay, yeah. So that's a great challenge for all of us. Just think about who needs someone like you. I mean, who needs a caring person to check in on them? And am I willing to be that person to, to maybe call someone this weekend? I, America, the world really, but you can say America, our city, we're struggling with deep disconnection in our time. <laughs> so more than ever, yeah, maybe we can't get together for – the holiday is what much we like, but we can call and check in yeah. and say, I'm here for you. Thank you so much. This has been great. And just so our listeners know how to connect with Hushabai, is there any way they can connect? Yeah, um, org. so org. Otherwise, uh, 480-628-7500, you just call and say that you need help or if you have someone that needs help, um, that's it. You can text that number too. That's fantastic. Yeah. Wow, that's bold. <laughs> that's, that's a caring and open heart. So, Tara, thank you so much for being on Counterculture today. I really thank appreciate you. you. God bless you and your ministry. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. Counterculture is made possible by Care Portal, helping local churches help children and families in crisis. Sign up you and your church today at careportal.org. 